Psalms 106. I'm going to be reading today and not be preaching over all of it. I won't be preaching over all of it, but I am going to be reading 1 through 23. And so, whereas that is a lot of verses, I'm not, I'm not going to be, I'm just going to be reading the majority of those. And so, don't get discouraged so quickly. <laughs> uh, I will do the best I can to, to get us out of here in a timely fashion. However, I do think that the topic of Thanksgiving and the topic of praise to our God needs to be spoken on more, and it's, and it's not, and that is the pastor's fault. That's those that are teachings, that's their fault. Um, and so today I stand before you, and I, I do tell you that. I, we need to praise Him more. We need to thank Him more and, and focus on eternal matters more. And uh, it's just, it's, it's good that we do. Listen to what Psalms 106 Beginning in verse 1 says, Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. For He is good. For His steadfast love endures forever. May God bless the reading of His Word. You may be seated. And I do want to talk to you today about thankfulness. And I think at times... In the West here, as Westerners, we have a distorted view on what it truly means to be thankful because, as I said, we're Westerners and uh, we have grown up and lived in an age that's been very, very prosperous and have not experienced the things that other, our forefathers experienced uh, years ago. And so we have to keep that in mind when it comes to being thankful we give God praise and thank Him today for all the many benefits that have been given to us by His hand. Amen? Amen? All His benefits. That's what the Word of God says. I read it last Wednesday night. But as Christians, it's very easy at times to give thanks for these blessings, the obvious blessings. It's very easy. We can rattle them off Pretty quickly. They're obvious. They come to our minds fast and we can share them and tell about them what they are. The blessings that we speak about around our tables. The blessings that are mentioned when someone asks you what you're thankful for. At Thanksgiving and sometimes most generally these answers are generic. A lot of times they're generic. We always at Thanksgiving go around the room and share what we're thankful for. It never fails that we have the vast majority that will say some get very religious and some don't at all. They say, I'm thankful for everything. I'm thankful for love. I'm thankful for food. We get very generic and those that listen to those would rather not even hear them, right? What do you say? Come on, give me something more. Give me something better than I'm thankful for food. You don't even know what it's like to go without food. You got an abundance of food, but I'm thankful for food. At Thanksgiving, we give these rehearsed 
thanksgivings, much like our prayers that are rehearsed. And they're just that, they're rehearsed. They don't really go much past our vocal cords, much past our lungs. They are not really coming from the heart. A lot of times they're just simply generic. And we forget truly who our Lord is. So often this happens. And, and I, I just want to preface this by saying that's natural. Like the children of Israel, we forget that the waters that's gathered, in, that's gathered in the heavens and in the earth and the food that is brought to our tables was created and sustained by the mighty hand of God. We forget that. We forget that His power holds water in air. You think about that one. We forget His power holds water in air, that His power put water in the earth. And by this, sustains all life. These are things that we overlook very, very quickly. But it's because of the mighty hand of God that we have them. We give thanks for our stuff, our play pretties, and our nice things. None of which are required really to live. But we have them. And why do we have them? Because God's a good God. He gives above and beyond what we, what we even need. He's gracious. He's merciful, but He is very benevolent. As a father gives to their child, so our Lord gives to us. Above and beyond what we need. Are these extras necessary? No, not at all. Are they given and are they blessings from God? You bet. And again, we give thanks for the roofs over our heads, the clothes on our backs, and the shoes on our feet. Not fully understanding what it would be like to be homeless, shoeless, or naked in rags. You see the distorted view that the Westerners have? And it's becoming more prevalent. You see it in the bigger cities where people truly are homeless, shoeless, and are laying in rags. But we live in a very prosperous, very prosperous nation that I'm thankful for. We have adequate clothing and food, shoes. And I love shoes. I do. I'm a shoe dude. I just am. I like to have a new pair of shoes on my feet. They feel good. Judy, Judy seconds that. Don't be hating because it's, you, you got shoes. Miss Helen's a hat lady. She's got hats of every type and different color. And these are all blessings. We know that. As a nation, however, these temporal things, these things that are corruptible, have been largely taken for granted. And I think everybody would understand that and agree, right? 
been taken for granted. And this is human nature. I don't want you to feel left alone in this if you have taken these things for granted. If this applies to you, if the shoe fits, wear it. <laughs> Y'all see what I did there? If the shoe fits, wear it. If not, and, and this does not apply to you, then praise God. But it is human nature. Don't be alarmed if you find yourself not thankful. Don't be alarmed if you find yourself being greedy and wanting more. Don't be alarmed by that because that is human nature. We get that honest from Adam and Eve. That's been inherited. We, we, that, we, we inherently get that. that. That belongs to us. It comes natural. Even when the Lord does miracles among us, it is so quick that we forget about them. Right? Our hearts forget so quickly. So how do we grow in us? How do we cultivate in us and work in us a heart that is full of thankfulness to the Lord? First, just to be clear that this, is, that this ungrateful behavior is normal, I want us to look at Psalms 106. And I want us to see truly how normal it is. And if you think that you're any different than the children of Israel, don't. Because you're not, nor am I. I know messages like these are not popular where we compare ourselves to the children of Israel, but when we truly get to the heart of the matter, when we truly see who we are, we will understand very quickly that we need help outside of us. So, just to be clear, this ungrateful nature is natural. To me and to you, listen to what Psalms 106 says. The key to this passage begins with the very first verse. The very first verse. And then it's going to unfold after that. Praise the Lord. Before anything else, before anything else is said, before anything else is done, before anything else is mentioned, praise the Lord is what the Word of God says. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His steadfast love endures forever. Whether you are good or not, whether it is in your nature to forget about God as it is with all of us, and we have to constantly be reminded, have to constantly continue to go in a path that worships Him, we have to understand that He is good regardless if we are or not. His steadfast love endures forever. His love is immutable. It's one of His attributes that cannot change. As a matter of fact, that's what it means. 
It's unchanging. His love is unchanging. It is steadfast. It lasts forever. It's eternal. And so we start off with looking to the heavens. We start off with looking to the Lord. And as we develop a heart of gratitude, this is where it has to start. And this is going to be my first point that I'm going to get to later. But I want you to see that it has to start where the psalmist starts. If we're going to sing and give gratitude and give thankfulness to the Lord and be thankful and truly work a heart of thankfulness within ourselves, it has to start with God. It has to start in the heavens. It has to start with who He is. And then it goes downhill after this, after these first couple of verses. Listen to what it says. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all his praise? Blessed are they who observe justice. Or in other words, they take great strides to practice it. They observe justice who do righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them, that I may look upon the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nations, that I may glory with your inheritance. He's begging and he's pleading, but then we go in verse 6 and listen to what it says. Both we and our fathers have sinned. And I want us to put ourselves in this place because this is where we have to understand we are. Both we and our fathers have sinned. Just because we're Westerners does not mean that we're better than these people in this text. Both we and our fathers have sinned. Do we get that? We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedness. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. Listen to that. It says they didn't consider the wondrous works of God. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. And so what we see the psalmist doing is he is setting up for us and showing us the true nature of people. This is what happens. All through the Old Testament, or the OT is what I like to call it. When I'm, when I'm writing in my notes, it's always OT. All through it. We see the children of Israel rebelling against the Lord, not just rebelling, but completely forgetting about Him. And it's just one generation or two generations, and now they're, they're offering up their children to other gods. That's how fast it can happen. We've seen it play out in our own nation, have we not? Amen. Set up and founded upon the principles of Christ Jesus. And now we look into the streets and we look at all of the junk that is happening in our nations that people are going by the way of Cain and running after the, the, the heir of, of Balaam and, and Korah. And it's just, it, it is terrible. They have forgotten the Lord. 
But look at God's unfailing love. Listen to what it says in verse 8. Yet he saved them for his namesake. Look at how awesome our God is. They forgot about him year after year after year after year. He delivered them. When they came out, they were dressed like kings and queens. They had all the riches of the Egyptians. Dancing with a high hand, parading out, going, and they get to the river, and all of a sudden they forget God and want to turn around. How long had it been? Not very long. And they forgot. Yet he saved them for his namesake. See, he cannot go against himself because he is immutable. This is one thing that separates us from him. He's immutable. He is unchanging. Our hearts are fickle. They're as unstable as water. But yet he is solid as a rock. Yet he saved him for his namesake that he might make known his mighty power. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it became dry. And he led them through the deep as through a desert. Now you would think that this people, coming out of Egypt, out of bondage, after 400 years, that they would be praising, singing, shouting, glorifying. They looked like kings and queens going through the middle of the desert. The water parts for them. For them to go through. You think about this for just a minute. You and I in our lifetime have never seen anything like that. Water parting, stopping literally, congealing up and then walking through on dry ground as if it were a desert. You would think that this would be a, a people that would be full of thanksgiving. But yet it's so clear that they quickly forget. He rebuked the Red Sea and it became dry and he led them through the deep as through a desert. So he saved them from the hand of the foe and redeemed them from the power of the enemy. He did this. And the waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them was left. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. After they were delivered, they get onto the other side of the Red Sea. And they are there in Miriam, or Mary in the New Testament. Miriam, the mother, or the, the, the sister of Moses and Aaron. She begins to sing with the women, and then Moses and Aaron begin to sing with the men, and they lift up praise to God. But then their wilderness journey starts, and as it starts, just as quickly as they lifted up praise. Verse 13 says, but they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. But they had a wanton craving in the wilderness and put God to the test in the desert. This is natural for us and we need to understand that. And the reason why I'm stressing that it is natural for us to be this way is because it is going to be, it is, it's going to be unnatural for us to do what we need to do to cultivate in us a heart of thanksgiving. It's going to be unnatural. 
We're going to actually have to practice it. And there's going to come some things that we have to do to cultivate that in our life. That's not going to come natural for us at all. But listen to what it says. But they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. But they had wanton cravings in the wilderness and put God to the test in the desert. He gave them what they asked, but sent a wasting disease among them. When men in the camp were jealous of Moses and Aaron, the Holy One of the Lord, the earth opened and swallowed up Dathan and covered the company of Abraham. Fire also broke out in their company. The flame burned up the wicked. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped a metal image. This doesn't seem like uh, people that were very thankful to the Lord, does it? But how often do we do the very same thing? How often do we turn away from the Lord and begin to worship our own selves? Placing ourselves before everything else, before everybody else, and before the King of glory. And it's true. It's idolatrous and it's wickedness. Listen to what the Bible says. Verse 19. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped a metal image. It couldn't breathe, talk, smell. It couldn't do anything. A golden calf. Verse 20. They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. This is what comes natural for us. And I know that you may not like to be compared to people like this. And I know this may be hard to hear, but I didn't sign up for this job to itch your ears. And it hurts my ears to understand that this is who we are when we don't cultivate in us a heart that is thankful. Verse 21, they forgot God. You see that? <laughs> they forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt. And this is the very thing that we're going to have to have to cultivate that heart that I'm talking about. Is what verse 21, the opposite of verse 21 where it says they forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things for them while they were in Egypt. That's the very thing that we're going to have to do. The opposite of that is, is to put him first. And so we're going to get into that in just a minute. But listen to what it says. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt. Verse 22, wondrous works in the land of Ham and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. Therefore, he said he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to turn away his wrath from destroying them. And we know how the story goes after that. Those that were in the wilderness, they died there and then there was a remnant that went into the promised land and after there, after they settled the seven places the seven lands we know that they also turned their backs on the Lord yet again and were captured 
and then so on and so forth and so forth and so on, back and forth, back and forth. They forgot God, but God did not forget them. He continued to lift them up out of the miry clay. He continued to set their feet on a rock because his love is unchanging. And so to that is where we have to turn. To cultivate, to grow in us a right heart, one that is full of thankfulness, we must first begin with the one where it comes from to begin with. What happens when we're blessed? What happens when we have all that we need? We forget where it comes from. It's not until it's taken away that it's brought back to our attention, oh, I need the Lord. And so to grow a heart that is grateful, it's not going to be natural. It takes effort and it takes work. Okay? It takes effort and it takes work. So we know like our fathers, like our ancestors, that we forget and we turn and we become calloused to the goodness of God. And our nation as a whole has become calloused to the goodness of God. As a matter of fact, I would say that our nation steps on the goodness of God. Under their feet. Rubs it in the dirt. So how do we grow in us a heart of thankfulness? How do we get that back? First, let me give you a couple of thoughts here. Just, in, just for me. First and foremost... Taking our eyes off of ourselves. This is hard to do, isn't it? We like to think about ourselves, don't we? Taking our eyes off of ourselves and our temporal, corruptible things. We have ourselves, we have temporal, corruptible things that cloud and blur our vision. And those temporal and corruptible things can be anything that distracts us, that takes up more time than the King of glory in our minds. Temporal, corruptible things, things that are under the sun, as Solomon puts it. Instead of having our focus on things that are temporal, things that are corruptible, things that can corrode for the here and now, our minds, our hearts must be turned to the King of glory, who is eternal, who lasts forever. You notice I said temporal and corruptible. These are things that don't last. And so we don't, find, uh, we don't find true joy and happiness in those things because they corrode and they fail. But one thing that we need to do is we need to look off to the one that is eternal, to looking off to the one that is incorruptible, and looking off to the one that is absolutely worthy of our praise. Amen. And that is the Lord. Psalms 106 and 1, I just read it. Praise the Lord, oh give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. 
His steadfast love endures forever. Growing within ourselves a heart of thankfulness is looking first to the eternal good God and His eternal unchanging love. Because everything in this life will change. Everything. Your cars, from the moment they are built, you drive them off the lot. I, and I'll never forget this, this image that I have in my head about this, uh, this Corvette. I was in Kentucky one day at a red light. And this, this memory goes way back. But I was in Kentucky at a red light and I saw this cherry red. Cherry red Corvette. Brand new right off the line in Bowling Green. And it pulled up next to me and it was fine. You hear me? Fine. Cherry red. Beautiful. Beautiful. I looked down at the wheels and just admiring this fine ride. Looking at the side of the car and everything about it. And I looked at those wheels and Right past those wheels, I could see the, the rotors of the car. And on those, there was rust. And I thought to myself, my goodness, how fast things fade. It always stands out in my mind when I begin to think about temporal things. To cultivate a heart of thankfulness in our life. We must look above the S-U-N, the sun, into the heavens where the Lord is. We must look to Him first. He is incorruptible. He is eternal. And He is absolutely worthy. See, what happens is we have all of our eyes on things that are around us. And when we do that, it gets us all off kilter. If your eyes are focused on things around you, it's going to get you off kilter. If you're watching what other people are doing in church, it's going to get you off kilter, right? You won't understand what dad's preaching on, will you? Right. Second thing. Looking towards eternity will cultivate in us a heart that is worthy of to give thanks. Looking towards eternity. When we look off to eternity, when we see and try to comprehend what God has prepared for His children. When we begin to think about what God has prepared for His children, we will find very quickly our mind being raptured off into a place that is beautiful, that we can't even fully comprehend. The only way that we can comprehend any of it at all is because we have a, a touch of it in the book of Revelations where we see elders and we see the saints worshiping around the throne and how it's built. But to fully understand and to fully grasp that, we can't comprehend it. Our minds are just in a state of awe. You want to have a heart that's thankful? You look off to what God has prepared for us. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 2 and 9 says, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. 
It's longing for our home, our true home. You begin to think about our true home, the rapturous thoughts that take our minds away. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to become thankful that you know Him. You're going to become thankful that He is your God. You think about what He is doing for you right now. You think about what He has prepared for you. It's so wonderful and so glorious for just a moment in time. It takes our minds away from the world of all the corruption. And we think about what is to come. And it has to start there. If we start here, we're going to mess up every time. We've got to start there. With the eternal king, we've got to start there with our eternal home. And it's not until we can do this that it's going to cultivate that heart of thankfulness in us. Because we have to see what he is, who He is and what He has done and is doing currently for us. Third and finally, to cultivate this heart of thankfulness, we have to consider our Savior, Jesus the apostle and high priest of our salvation. The apostle and high priest of our salvation. Hebrews 3 and 1 says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. We must consider Jesus. We must consider the Lord. We must consider uh, glory and our home there. But also we must consider what left glory on our behalf. And when we consider these things, then we can see thankfulness begin to ooze out of our hearts, begin to grow and begin to, to form in our hearts. Philippians 2, 5 through 11, listen to what it says. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. He said, I want you to have this mind in yourselves. I want you to think like this. I want you to be like Jesus. But listen to what he has done for us. Listen. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Looking off to Jesus. The third point is looking off to Jesus. Looking off to the one who did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He was humble. He was obedient. He was counted faithful before the Father. And he left glory to come here for you and for me. See, when we begin to think about these things, thankfulness begins to grow in us. But where we deny these things, and where we're not reminded of these things, we think about 
the world around us. Listen to what it says. Who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Look how selfless he was. By taking the form of a servant. He emptied himself. He was selfless. He takes on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Thinking about Jesus hanging there. Bleeding out for you and for me. Thinking about the work that he has done. Will begin to grow and it will begin to bloom within us a heart that is truly thankful. See, what we have to do is we have to come away from this world and we have to look on things that are eternal. And until we can do that, we will never be able to appreciate and be thankful for what we have in this life. Never. People are discontent because they don't, they're not thankful for who the Lord is. They're discontent in this life because they're not thankful for who the Lord is. If they can't find it in the Lord, you're never going to find it here. Ever. Listen to what it says. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The third point is considering Jesus. When we view the mighty works of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the glorious victory in the resurrection over death, Jesus. Jesus as our mediator, as our restorer, as our savior, as our king, as the one who will come again and gather his people. When we think on these things, He's going to come and get and get those that he died for. That his blood was spilt for. Not one drop was wasted. Not one drop was wasted. He bled out for you and for me. Was crushed by the Father. You see how just for a moment how your mind has left the world and left the temporal matters? It's thinking on eternity. When we begin to think about what Jesus has done for us, this Jesus who we will worship for all eternity, you should find within yourself a heart that is beginning to grow thankfulness. 
and gratitude, a heart of worship. When we truly realize that He is not only the author of our faith, the one who wrote the book, but He is also the finisher of our faith. When we realize that, shouldn't that produce in us a heart that is thankful? Knowing that from beginning to end in our life, He has it under control. The author and finisher of our faith. You know, once we get to heaven, there will be no more faith. We will not need faith. Because our faith will be made sight. He is the author and finisher of our faith. What's the point? How do we cultivate within us a heart of thankfulness? It starts by not looking at all the things under the sun. The children of Israel, every time, that's what got them in trouble. And it still gets us in trouble today. When we look at the things under the sun, we will never be content and we will never be thankful. It will always leave us wanting more. Always. But when we look, praise God, above. When we look towards Christ... When we look to Him and His glory and what He has done for us, then and only then can we be truly grateful, can we be truly thankful for the things that are right around us. Today, people are not grateful. They're not thankful. There are so many. And the reason why is because They're not grateful. They're not thankful for what Jesus has done for them. They don't have Jesus, and so they can find no true contentment, therefore no true gratitude in this life. It starts with the Lord. It starts with thinking about what He has done for us. And it starts with our Savior, Jesus Christ. When we place our hearts and our minds on those things, then you will begin to see blooms. Then you will begin to see flowers and buds and and fruit of thankfulness grow in your life. Plain and simple. If you're looking around you, it'll never happen. If you're looking off to the Lord, Even this morning as I talk about this. Even this morning as I think about glory. As I think about heaven. As I think about what God has done for me. What he worked for me on the cross. How he procured my salvation there. How he brought it to pass in time. And how he's going to come again and receive me unto himself one day where I will worship Him for all eternity. My mind is taken away to a place that's full of thankfulness. My heart is filled with thankfulness to Him who bore my pain, who plumbed the depths of my despair and gave me life again. Let's pray.